Hello and welcome to On the Horizon. This podcast is an extension of Horizon Church, a relationally driven, socially conscious, Jesus-centered church located in the heart of Towson, Maryland. We are recording today from Dean's Studios. Thank you, Bryce. My name is Beth McDonald. I'm hosting today, and we are just about to begin part two with our speaking team here at Horizon. So you're going to hear from Kara Cousineau, Mark Stevenson, Ryan Casey, and Tom Sanko. So give um, maybe Mark and Ryan, since you guys do most of the series, like how do you come up with a series? What does that look like to put together? We usually do them a month at a time, so about four Sundays in a series. Maybe talk about why why that instead mm-hmm. of the year-long study on Deuteronomy. <laughs> you guys yeah. just throw darts, right? <laughs> That's it. Absolutely. We got a dart Flip board. to the Bible, <laughs> see what opens up. <laughs> um, you've been doing it for long. I mean, why don't you start? Well, so Ryan and I, our staff meetings on Monday, and we come and kind of talk about what, what we're feeling like passionate about, but also... Uh, like a need in the church. Hmm. So what sometimes what happens is we both start noticing like a trend in the yeah. church through our interactions with people. So it's actually out of the pastoral moments hmm. that then speak to the sermon mm-hmm. series. So it's yeah. like in these pastoral moments, we realize, wait, there's a theme here that um, there seems to be a gap, let's say, in understanding here. Let's do a sermon series on it. That so literally like, happened this morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have categories that we think through. So yeah. one is Bible theology. <clears throat> The other is personal spirituality, mm-hmm. and the third one is being the church. Mm-hmm. And we try to rotate between those three. And in the Bible theology, we try to rotate Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New, which Ryan has a like particular affinity for the Old Testament. That's right. And I think it's really easy as a church to just do New Testament mm-hmm. stuff. And so I think Ryan usually brings like a passion for, let's do this Old Testament book. Or let's do this Old Testament theme, right. um, which I think is important in rounding out our sermon series. But they usually rotate from Bible theology yeah. to personal spirituality, which is like spiritual disciplines mm-hmm. and like your life with Christ. And then the third category is like, how do we be the church yeah. in the world and how right. do we be the church together? Right. Yeah. And Mark's more creative with coming up with series than me. I keep, I'd say probably two thirds of the series that we do at least are like Mark's idea. Um, I, I think when they come to me, it's usually like either something I'm studying in the Bible that starts to resonate with something we've talked about, mm-hmm. like a need, or like I'm reading a book and I'm like, this is just so translatable to a certain topic. Right. <clears throat> and I try to package it that way. Or there's just like, um, I think a lot about, I probably think a lot through like a culture lens too of like, how do we, how do like, you know, how do we kind of like take what's happening in culture and try to like, and, you know, we, we talked about this again this morning. It was like this idea of like, instead of like just trying to, uh, interpret the bible how do we interpret the culture with like a biblical lens Mm -hmm. you know how do we kind of like reverse do that Mm -hmm. and so like uh which i think is probably some of the things that go through my head like that like when i come up with one i kind of jot down and then it's always i have like this general idea and then it's so hard for me to break it into like four or five topics but i think that like that makes sense to get a well-rounded picture like you know this one idea for one sunday probably wouldn't flesh out or help people camp in it long enough to live Mm -hmm. any differently Mm -hmm. but to get four different perspectives and four different topics and different people kind of saying something about this will really give somebody like a chance to kind of think about it differently that's great something we've tried to do in the last couple years is get more feedback from you guys yeah from the speaking team people um on ideas or thoughts or whatever so i know you guys gave us a lot of ideas for the summer and potentially Mm -hmm. ones we'll use in the fall right 
Um, I think that's our growth edge mm -hmm. is not just having me and Ryan create them. Yeah. But it's hard, honestly. It's hard to create a series and then have it flow and not overlap right. and have it connect. Is it hard for you to you guys to create the series and then hmm. let somebody else take it where they take it for a Sunday? It can and be. Are if, you yeah. like, wait, that's well, not what I had in mind. I think the hardest part <laughs> is if you're passionate about that one. Like right. if there's a five-part series yeah. right. and there's one out of that five that you're really passionate right. about, the hardest thing is giving that one away. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, if there's others that you're not as excited sure. about, it's easier to like yeah. hand those off. And usually the, we, like the person who creates the series, like so say Mark is like, or let's reverse this. Say I'm like telling Mark about this. What's the, let's say the Out of Egypt series that we just did. Like I'm telling him this Which idea I loved, that I have. By the way, that Thanks. was great. It was a lot of fun. And, and like, and like you know, I'm describing it. And he's like, okay, we'll come up with like a – more of an outline for it. Let me know which, so we can kind of talk it. And so like come up with more of an outline, and then we kind of go through it. And he goes, "Which one of these are you really excited about?" Like mm -hmm. that's usually like the first question. Sure. Like so, you you've got this excitement. Like you right. usually you kick off the series. You know, do the first one when you're really excited. And then what's the other topic in there that you're right. really passionate about? And usually of series that I do two of that's ones that I've kind of more come up with and and you know Mark usually will do two right. to three and the ones that he really comes up with and then and then we're kind of we look at it again we kind of say where, where do we need outside voices on this one you know like sure. like you know people that we bet better than us and and so then we kind of say well let's see if there if, if Kara's open to that and sometimes we have one in, in mind that's like oh Kara would be really good at that or Beth <laughs> would be really good at that one and sometimes it's like well let's see who's willing yeah and, and then if they're willing then it's like did any of them jump out to you and you've gotten that question before yeah. like Ryan's doing this one, <laughs> right? But right. Did, these other three topics did one of them speak to you? Kind of yeah. like that's usually kind of how we break it down from yeah. there. I'd say, and I would say it's not. It's I, I. I. There's part of me that has like a very like idea of how I wanted to go, but you know I'm not disappointed when it goes differently because mm -hmm. that's part of the whole point of having a different perspective. They, they've gotten my perspective in the sure. series already. Mm -hmm. So if somebody goes a like, different direction with like a, something that I didn't have in mind for that. That's actually one of the things I like most about preaching with Mark is we would look at the same exact passage and give two very different sermons. Right. And that would be almost always true. You know, like um and, and so I feel like I learned something because it's not what I would have done with that passage right. and not right. what the Lord usually says to me in that passage. Sure. So I have friends that are that are full time ministers that preach forty eight Right. Sundays Gosh, out of the year. Sounds like the most exhausting thing. Yeah, yeah. it's very <laughs> exhausting yeah. for them. Yeah. And so, what makes it easy, easier to, to to hand things over, I guess, to other people is one. Um, a lot of my friends who do that forty-eight Sundays of preaching, they don't ever get to sit and learn. Right. Yeah. They're always right. the one True. up there. So Ryan and I really get to sit and like soak in something. Yeah. Like there have been Sundays that I'm like, man, I needed that one. Yeah, yeah. Like mm -hmm. I needed to not be the one up there yakking mm -hmm. away. I need to be one sitting in the chair mm -hmm. receiving. Mm -hmm. And then um, also the week that we're not preparing for the sermon, our week opens up. Yep. So in terms of like thinking about the vision of the church or meeting with more people in mm -hmm. terms of pastoral mm -hmm. needs or counseling or what all the things that we do behind the scenes, right. there's so much more bandwidth. Right. My friends who do the 48 Sundays a year, their one, their huge complaint is I have no bandwidth. Like right. they don't understand how Ryan and I can meet with so many people. How can you meet with those? How do you have time to do that? Right. Like how can you also be a small group leader? How can you also have right. a this and that, and that, and that, you know, like, um, well, we can do that because we're not always preparing a sermon. Mm -hmm. yeah. When you're always preparing a sermon, mm -hmm. you do not have time to do much else. Yeah. Honestly. Um, cause it, it can be an undertaking. Well, that, that leads me to my next question is, um, so how do you prepare for a sermon? So you're given 
a passage, a topic, a part of the series, how do you get ready? What do you do? Where do you start? Hmm. I think sort of an interesting pattern has emerged. So in the beginning, you know, they were very clear, like, here's, here's your topic, here's the scripture you could use, here's some illustrations, whatever, and then you take with it what, what lands. Right. Um, I think in the years since then, like over the years, an interesting thing happened to me where usually we're given maybe like a two month setup or a one, one month heads up, it just depends. And as soon as I get that call or that email, and a topic is presented, and usually it's a specific week, like we really want you to speak on X, Y, and Z. Um, God almost does like a download mm. within within maybe an hour of learning the topic mm. um, where illustrations will come, mental images will come, um, analogies will come, biblical stories, whatever it is. And so I, whenever I say, whenever I know there's an email coming in about <laughs> a sermon or a call, I know that's going to happen that same day. Mm. And then I like put it aside until the week leading up to right. my sermon. Right. And it just kind of like ruminates for a while. It just sits there and I remember, you know, I jot it all down and then I don't go back to it until it's time to actually prepare the sermon. Mm. And almost always whatever those initial instincts were they hold are true. the meat of mm. the sermon. Right. right. And the rest that comes later on, like as I keep going back to those notes or something in the week leading up to it is just sort of like not not filler but rounds it out but it's it's interesting that almost always within minutes of being given a topic god tells me this this is yeah so not only are you going to speak to this this is what i need you to say and then like sit with that for the month right and then we'll fill that out later and now i just don't second guess it i just don't right i don't wonder if that's right i just listen to the impulse and say okay that's that's what's supposed to make it in. How about you, Tom? Well, so I, I've spoke four times, and the first two times, I, my approach was kind of like I've been doing for the last twenty years in the business world, mm. which is, you know, prepare, 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 mm-hmm. and uh, really dive in, and and um, and I wound up then trying to call it down to something that would make sense. And the last couple of times I've I've done it really differently. Uh, I spent more time having coffee with my wife in the morning and just launching into conversations. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about Rhonda is that she does doesn't come from a strong Bible background, mm-hmm. and her views and her uh, her reading on things is so far out of the box for me. Mm-hmm. Being kind of growing up in the Catholic Church and the Southern Baptist Church, right. it, it really startles me and gets me to think differently. And the other thing I've been doing lately is uh, when when I get a topic is I'm, I've been uh, trying to spend time just going out and asking and talking to people out on the street mm. and trying to find out how is this lived out mm-hmm. you know does this mean anything to people mm-hmm. and if so what does it mean mm. and um, but then I also wind up with a lot of information too because sure. I'm talking to people so yeah yeah um, yeah Beth what do you do what do I do so it's kind of a combination of the two um I usually get, I usually feel like the spirit gives me like right away, this is the kind of goal of it. This is the the central theme of what you're going to talk about. Um, and then, but then I flesh it out. Steve and I talk a lot about it, mm-hmm. um, which 
I should give him credit. He should, like, if there are credits, <laughs> a writer's credit. Uh, a yeah. Yeah. movie <laughs> credits at the end, he should be there. Because so much of it is us processing it together. Sure. Mm. Yeah. That I, I don't know if I can even tell you, like, how much is him yeah. and how much is me. Because we great. really do That's mm-hmm. fascinating. talk That's it all cool. through. Um, you, do you talk to Kira about it? I, I'm feeling really convicted that I <laughs> I well I think uh, part of it is I, I do well like verbal processing mm-hmm. is good for yeah. me yeah. Um, to talk through yeah and in when I say it out loud like does that make any sense whatsoever yeah. uh-huh. as opposed to how it made sense in my head uh-huh. um, and then um, and then it's really important because I have a teaching background it's super important to me that point one leads to point two three and four that that makes sense so sometimes Mm. that's the hardest thing for me is like i know what i want to say i know where i want to get it's got there's got to be an arc that makes sense to me and sometimes that's where the struggle comes for me is how do i get from here to there um yeah but there's there's usually that initial download and then and then it's a working out Mm -hmm. how to how to get that across That's interesting. I think when I first started, transitions were by far my weakest part. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, you know, very independent. And what helped me, how I have to think about it, because I don't think very well about like a one-person presentation, is I think about it like a conversation, and mm-hmm. and like, and I literally write the questions that this should inspire, and mm-hmm. then the answer, and then the question That's that it should. And so it's this like dialogue in my head that, as it takes place yeah. in the outline right. that then becomes. And sometimes I'll even throw like the question out there that I'm hoping is like on people's minds mm-hmm. that what I'm saying has created. Um, but like, yeah, for me, it's like I form an outline, um, and then like, you know, based off that, that dialogue and where I think I want to go with it, and then I'm kind of finding scripture, finding quotes, finding things that I want to impart. And, you know, by about Wednesday, Thursday, I'm trying, I, 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 my, right. my, here's my notes to myself is make outline on Monday, <laughs> like, like, like do scripture yeah. research, like yeah. the quotes on Wednesday, like write the sermon quote Thursday and then Fridays yeah. make, make, make the keynote. And then Saturdays just agonize and change everything 45 <laughs> times because the preparation process is, is the, probably the yeah. hardest thing for me. I, I, it robs a lot of joy of me in that mm-hmm. week, which is when I say, when I joke about like not loving it, it's that part. It's that mm-hmm. like, it's that not feeling like I have a weekend when I'm preaching. Yeah. That's really hard for me. And part of that's because I don't slow down the other things I do during the week. Right. Like I, I keep all the other meetings and right. all the other things. And so right. by the time I get to Saturday, I'm usually farther behind in that process right. than I want to be. Yeah, for me, people would ask me like, do you do anything creative? And they, by that, they meant like, do you paint? Do you <laughs> sing? Do you wow. play guitar? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's what they were looking for. But the, the, the honest thing that came up for me is, um, yeah, like I, I preach. Like, mm-hmm. so for me, it's a creative process mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a birthing. Mm-hmm. So like it, to me, it's, it's, um, I love that process. Mm-hmm. I love the process of creating a sermon and, and, um, when it sort of all comes together and is fine-tuned and um and then of course the delivery is is fun too but um so i just i find opposite of ryan yeah. i find joy in the in the sermon creation process mm-hmm. it's a creative process for me and it feels like a birthing mm-hmm. not that i know what a birthing feels like but <laughs> it feels like that's the closest like analogy i can right. come to like what what that process right. is like for me right i think my i love the study mm. i love yeah. putting it together i love hearing yep. from the lord i love all that i love the speaking when i'm on yep. up there speaking 
But there's this there's this oh, window no between <laughs> the sermon being yeah. kind of done yeah. and standing up there speaking that is like no, a panic attack every time. I, I, I'm wondering. I, you would do, never know that. Oh, though. my gosh. <laughs> I'd never know watching you. I, so I, but once I'm up there talking, I'm fine. Right, yeah. I do like that. So that's the hardest part for me is Saturday night, Sunday morning. Mm. Last time I spoke, I think I told Mark. I woke up this morning, sure, I needed to completely change the entire <laughs> thing, but I didn't have time, so I couldn't. I've that's been there. <laughs> so I'm wondering, do you guys have like a part that you love or a part that's particularly hard? In preparation? Mm-hmm. In preparation. Or in the whole process. I, oh, I've, yeah. I've seen a lot of people, the hardest moment is the moment they step off the stage. Mm. Mm. It's, it's the nakedness you feel when yeah. you just gave everything you've got. Yeah. And you have no idea how people are going to respond to right. it. And you step off that stage and right. feel completely alone. Um, that can be a hard mm. process, too. Not mm-hmm. just right before, but right after. Right. So, right. Yeah, I, f- I feel like for me, the, it, it's the pressure to be creative that I think mm-hmm. I feel that I put on myself. I don't mm-hmm. feel it from anybody else. That is just that consumes me a little bit. That's my least favorite part is this idea of like I'm taking ancient truths that have been told a hundred times and I'm trying to tell it in a way that people will hear it a little bit differently and this that whatever just that simple concept feels like such a heavy weight to me and i feel like it's never creative enough or it's never Mm -hmm. it's like this thing that i'm feeling that i want people to hear i just don't feel like it's coming through the way i want it to you know and and i think that's the the part that i probably agonize over and try to tweak too much um it's it's being on stage that i enjoy the most maybe Mm -hmm. i have a little stand-up comic in me (laughs) but like i mean i actually really enjoy the interacting Mm -hmm. with the audience and like uh like that that part's really if i had pre-prepared content i could teach every week Mm -hmm. and just really love it you Mm -hmm. know if i didn't have to create new content every week Mm -hmm. one of the things i struggle with guys is is uh the um uh, and i too beth i love the study part as Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. we probably all do um i love really digging in but my my background, uh, I was a psychotherapist before. Uh, I'm heavily influenced by Jacob Moreno, who was one of the early founders. He was a contemporary with uh, Freud. And he did a whole huge body of work around the role of spontaneity and creativity. Mm-hmm. And his belief was, was that it's in the moment of spontaneity that the creative and the creator mm-hmm. actually come mm-hmm. together. And so I really struggle around... Because I tend to want, to, I love the study part, and I want to leave room for spontaneity. Mm-hmm. But what I wind up doing is preparing and studying, and it deletes all of the spontaneity. And mm-hmm. then I go looking for, uh, for <laughs> opportunities for spontaneity in mm-hmm. which you can't pre-plan necessarily. And so how do you, you know, how do I allow the spirit to right. really lead in more spontaneous moments mm-hmm. and also be prepared? Right. And uh, right. I struggle with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I've had times where I've changed my story, my illustrations, while mm-hmm. I'm up there. Mm. Yeah. Which sometimes is good, sometimes is good. Mm. I, I, there is that, crea- and you get a sense, we have all get a sense of how the congregation is. Right. Rea- are, are they with us, against us? Mm. Or not against us. <laughs> are they with us? Are Pitch they sleeping? Out. Not with us. <laughs> yeah. Napping. Yeah. How about you, Kara? Um... I don't love putting together the slides. Mm. Yeah, slides like, are hard for me too. I love reading hmm. beforehand. I love writing. I tend to do a lot of like free writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the slides, I think just, it, you know, it's so monotonous, like clicking through slides and is it positioned right and does this need to be shifted? And that, that part just feels very draining. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't love that. But it's, you know, it's a necessary evil, 
I think they we need visuals, we need slides, we right. need those things. But I think if you could just turn the projector off and put me on stage and let mm. me speak, like kind of that download, I think I would enjoy the process a lot more. But knowing that you have to do right, these I've said slides. that before. Right. To Merrick, I've said it's that. like yeah, I wish I could just it's do not it my favorite. slides. Yeah, it's not my favorite. Well, you don't but have to do slides. Yeah, we I might just start really doing pictures. Absolutely, yeah. it might just be. Yeah. Yeah. A lot less. I mean, it's mostly. It's just the piece I don't. People love are the visual, most. and yeah. so yeah. some oh, people yeah. in the room need yeah. the visuals. But yeah, you. C- I mean, you guys have the freedom to switch yeah. that. I up. feel like I've pared down what mm-hmm. I put on a slide. Yeah. Yeah. At first, it was like everything because I didn't want to forget anything. Right. But how about slides, Tom? You like thumbs yeah. up, thumbs I, down? Yeah, I I struggle because slides for me really eeks of the professional experience and mm. uh, I'm constantly mm. in PowerPoint and slides. Right, right. And so it's really hard to make that transition out of that mm. yeah. more structured environment and allow something spiritual to sure. happen. So sure. I kind of struggle with the slides yeah. too. Yeah. That's interesting. We used to write our sermons out and not have slides. Um, I couldn't much. do that. I yeah. know you guys said you well, used to do that. I don't think I could do that. And I felt like it was so freeing to go to slides, slides because sure. like yeah. oh, it yeah. read, read, I, I'm very spontaneous. I say things I don't intend to say, which yeah. can be good or bad. But like, um, <laughs> but like, but like, when I have guideposts, like the slides are mm-hmm. my guideposts. Like if they were to go out, I would be like, where am I going with this again? You know, it's <laughs> just um, because like they kind of keep me on track, and I know I have to get to like certain ones almost by certain times, or because I, 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 I could just end up talking all day right. if I didn't have guideposts. Yeah, and I think that's the most difficult part of a sermon is the editing. Yeah. I would say what makes the difference between a good sermon and a great sermon is the editing. And uh, my sermons usually are 45 minutes to an hour, and they become 30 minutes or 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and what it requires for me is to be vicious about mm. obliterating any idea that is good and not great like that's essentially the the kind of mindset it's like you go in with a scalpel and you're like oh this is painful (laughs) because this is such a good idea and i want people to hear it and i spent so much time preparing it and now i'm going to just press delete four times right and all these slides are gone right and it's not just slides but it's time and energy and Mm -hmm. effort and and but like for me it's essential um to get it down you know, to mm-hmm. like, this is too much for people. You know, like I would love to talk, and I have. I've done seminars at Horizon where I've literally spoke for five hours nonstop. <laughs> that is not hard for me to do. I could just keep going. The hard thing is the speak for thirty minutes, right. right, and have it be impactful, right, and that requires editing, yeah, which requires a bit of. Um, dying to self is what it feels mm-hmm. like for me mm-hmm. um but i know it's a it's like absolutely necessary yeah. so i'm curious kara you mentioned earlier about um spiritual warfare that happens before you're going to speak um how how do you all prepare have you felt that spiritual warfare too and how do you prepare for that how do you prepare to give the sermon because there is a weight. We talked about there being a weight to it um, spiritually. What do you think that is? How do you get ready for that? Hmm. I think I just I started seeing patterns of where certain conflict would come up or 
which parts of my life would feel like they were coming under attack mm-hmm. and I just learned what those triggers were or, or which parts would come and and just kind of have to put boundaries around that so mm-hmm. like a, a silly example but like my husband and I would find ourselves you know external forces would create a lot of chaos or stress in our life or in our home right before a sermon because mm-hmm. um, we run a business and we've got you know a large extended family and so mm. things would just pop up and we just learned in the days up to a sermon we cannot talk about hot topic Mm-hmm. buttons you know like in-laws or, or <laughs> trips or finances right. or what, whatever it was right. that would trigger like just chaos mm-hmm. um or tension or conflict or whatever and so we just I, I'm just I just started to recognize like certain phone calls to people you know didn't need to happen in the days leading up to mm-hmm. sermons I didn't need to talk to certain family members or people who lived in a different state and I didn't need to um invite that in because mm-hmm. that inevitably every time something would happen um and so that's been really helpful to me to just know like sermons on the calendar we know we have to protect that time right because um, it's going to come and it and it still does I think it comes in different ways now that we have kids and um you know we're foster parents so there's inevitably always a court date or some big sure. mm-hmm. heavy thing right before uh, a sermon or right after like in the days after some anything to distract me I feel like the mm-hmm. enemy yeah. oftentimes uses distraction um, and so for me it was just sort of safeguarding it mm-hmm. as much as I could and then there's also the piece that you just know you can't do everything you're probably gonna sleep poorly or someone's gonna come down with the sickness mm-hmm. or um, and you just kind of have to roll with the punches because it doesn't it doesn't have to be perfect I think I falsely believed in the beginning like the sermons have to be perfect. Your life has to be perfect in the days leading up to it. And the truth is, like, it doesn't make you any less impactful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean God's not going to speak through you mm-hmm. just because you had a fight with right. your mom or something right. the day beforehand. Right. Like, right. you don't have to be perfect for him to be present. Right. Um, and so that, that was helpful for me to release mm-hmm. the the fears of what kind of spiritual attack was going to come and and how would that throw me off my game? And now mm-hmm. I'm just sort of like, eh, bring it. Someone's <laughs> still going to get something out yeah. of it because mm-hmm. I still trust that mm-hmm. I'm meant to be up there. So, right. That's good. I am my own worst enemy, mm-hmm. Beth, when uh, it's it's my, uh, this intuitive feel that I know what people need to hear mm-hmm. that I really have to fight against, you know, and uh, and also the belief that that uh, that there's there's a hidden nugget of gold mm. that God wants to present mm. because when I when I read what Jesus said most of his sermons are very simple mm-hmm. and mm. common day language mm-hmm. and and yet the truths that he was revealing were huge I mean mm. they were they were phenomenally right. wonderful and yet he spoke in just real common terms and and somewhere you know way this back <laughs> behind that I, I I struggle with just putting to rest my sense of you know that that, that there's something I can come up with mm-hmm. you know mm. and uh, yeah mm. I struggle. Mm. I think you guys listed the most common ones. Honestly, the most common attacks I think from the enemy are marital conflict, mm-hmm. mm. um, dog pile. John Eldridge calls it dog pile, mm-hmm. which is just like your week gets mm. piled with full of stuff, right. <laughs> and he makes he he runs you ragged with busyness. Right. Mm-hmm. So you feel unprepared for Sunday. Yeah. Um, 
the third one would be the imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. the who am I to get up there. So he'll throw that one at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the every and then the uh, uh, this might be a form of a imposter syndrome, but it's the feeling of everything I have here is garbage. I'm not sure I can go preach this right. feeling that we, we, we everyone yeah. has right. ever talked <laughs> yeah. about. These are like the most common. Yeah. And I think honestly, it's like, you know, it's like Ryan in the weight room. You know, he's like, it's just, he just lifts like weights are weights. They're not a problem for him. He lives every day. Like, what's he going to, you know what I mean? And I think that's what the spiritual warfare becomes. It becomes just like, whatever, this is, this is, this is the gig. And you almost don't even notice it after a while. Hmm. You just, you just do it because Mm -hmm. that's what you do. And and that your spiritual muscles develop to a point where it doesn't phase you. Mm -hmm. Um, and it almost, I feel like it becomes less when it doesn't phase you. Like if he knows that it doesn't right, phase right. you, then it's like he's wasting his time if he tries. Yeah. yeah. So it's real. It's a real thing. But you feel it less, I think, the longer, the more you do it. It's really funny you say that because like I, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. And I also feel like, I mean, emotionally heavy things just always mm-hmm. happen mm-hmm. the week that I'm speaking. And that's when I say I'm late on my sermon. It's not because I've been like erratic with my time. It's because I get heavy phone calls sure. inevitably sure. and like get called into things. Um but like, but I when you said that, I had to think about it because I was like, yeah, when, I mean, because it just feels so normal. I'm like, oh yeah, that's just what happens. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, that is. I guess that is spiritual warfare. It's been yeah. a while since I've thought of it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the last time was probably in the first year of marriage, where it was like, I feel like there was this special thing around us getting in arguments on mm-hmm. Saturday night or Sunday mm-hmm. morning that was like, where is this coming from? Like, it's like, and like, right. and I, I remember thinking. It can't be. It can't be coincidence that it's like on the week that I'm speaking that we always end up right. having some kind of conflict. But I remember Ryan came back from sabbatical and he had been away from it long enough to then finally feel it again. Do you remember yeah. that? Like, oh my gosh! It's, yeah, that's right. Um, mm. It's a funny feeling. Like when you're in the warfare and it's just a daily thing for you. You don't feel it. You don't notice yeah. it. It's the water you swim in. Right. <laughs> but when you jump out of that water for <laughs> Try like, to put the mantle back on. Yeah, yeah. and then and you're out of it. You like it's like you dry off and then you hop back in the pool. You're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like yeah. the thickness of this, I had forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And there's challenges to like, it's like, you know, not just with that, but with the pace of life and stuff. It's like, man, what, should I be doing that all the time? <laughs> you know, that there's parts of that that are natural to live in and are good to live in. There's parts right. of it that taking a step out of it's good to reevaluate a little bit. Right. Right. How many of you guys uh, take a reading from the congregation, from the people? Like, does that matter to you when you? Preach. I mean, I sometimes think if fifty percent have their eyes open, then you know, that's good. But you know, I mean, do, was, do you? Yeah, I had for the first time um, a couple months ago when I spoke, felt like there was a, a heaviness in the room, mm. uh-huh. and that no matter what I did or said, I could uh-huh. not connect wow. with uh-huh. the congregation. And that's the first time I felt like I couldn't get them uh-huh. to la- laugh. I mean, you you start to get a sense of. Uh-huh. When to say something funny, when to say something, you know, more Mm. provocative and you you get a sense of how to connect with them. And it was the first time I felt like there was a spiritual warfare that Sunday. And I I called Mark. I said, I felt like what I said was what the Lord wanted me to say. But it just felt like there was a like a screen. Mm. I think sometimes, too, it's it is the people, though. Because of the hard, I remember the hardest sermon. I felt like it wasn't the, it wasn't the topic that mm-hmm. was the hardest. It was the room. Right. And Mark pointed out afterwards. Well, it was a holiday, mm. and 
half of the people in the room are those people who go to church three times a year. Mm. Yeah. And you could tell right. they were not familiar faces, and those mm. faces were not happy mm. to see a young woman up on mm. stage, let alone a woman at all, probably. Right. Right. But there was just this, like, mm-hmm. like just this scowl on mm. a lot of their faces and this kind of, like, what is this place? And look at that raggedy old you know (laughs) carpet on the Uh on the stage and who is this woman and what's up with the meat like you could just tell Mm. the people who were there did not want to be there nor were they necessarily there by choice and I hadn't even put two and two together I just thought who are all these new people I don't know and what was up in the room that morning and then it and then you realize like the people in the seats do bring their own energy Mm -hmm. and they if they don't want to be there, you see it and you mm-hmm. feel it because you're staring at their faces. Mm-hmm. And it, I think you're right. It doesn't matter what you could have said mm-hmm. that day. Yeah. It doesn't matter how funny or what illustrations right. yeah. or if you showed video clips. They just there were some things I bring thought were really going to kill. <laughs> and nobody and laughed. Didn't. Oh, I didn't even get hard. a smile. That's hard. And thank goodness for the Zach Coons and, and yeah. Oh, uh, I know. There's certain yeah, faces. Luke Zips and yeah. those well, people that are constantly. Certain faces. It's funny that you say that. I find five familiar faces in the room, and I just kind of like because. I think looking at the, at just general, right. it's too distracting. Like yeah. you see people talking to each other, you see people walking <laughs> in and out, you see all kinds of things going yeah. on. Somebody sleeping in the back, and you're like, okay, like that that would rattle me if I paid too much attention mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. It rattles me. So I find like the five familiar faces that are kind of nodding along and kind right. of in tune with me. And if one of them looks confused, then maybe I need to feel like I need to <laughs> elaborate more on that point. <laughs> I I think this is one of the elements that that completely. Um, affirms the biblical notion that this is not a consumeristic event that's happening. This is not a TED talk that I paid for to come get something out of. There is a communal thing happening in the room. Mm -hmm. And the person who's listening to this podcast, who's sitting in the pew or in the chair needs to know that essentially what it feels like spiritually in the room is that there's this blanket and like throughout the sermon process, we're all lifting it. Mm -hmm. And as it lifts, there's, 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 um, there's an effect happening in the room Mm -hmm. and it's as if the spirit as that blanket lifts further and further up more and more people are being impacted yeah Yeah. but it's not just the preacher that's lifting the blanket it's everyone Mm -hmm. in the room so when the room is full of people that are engaged and with you Mm -hmm. and they're like putting both arms on that blanket and pushing it up Mm -hmm. with you then you play your part but they're playing their part and the entire room is lifting this thing up and the entire room begins to feel the effect of it Mm -hmm. right but the opposite can also happen, mm-hmm. that if you have a room full of disengaged, disinterested folks, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't matter how great the communicator is, that we cannot lift that blanket by, by ourselves. Yeah. And if we don't get enough people on board with us, that's, that's that heaviness is just going to sit there. And actually, the worship prepares that as well. Right. So our worship leaders do an amazing job of yep. actually lifting that blanket halfway up so that yep. by the time we get up there, it's not still like hanging on people. Mm-hmm. The worship actually created a lift in the room. Mm-hmm. And then we as speakers kind of like take it the next mm-hmm. step. Right. Um, so it all works together. And actually everyone in the room is contributing to it's it, whether they know yeah. they're right. contributing to it yeah. or not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's this communal event that we're all participating in. Um that's not a consumeristic mm-hmm. thing. It's not like we're giving you something that you came and paid for. Like right. we're all doing something together. Yeah. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, I'm going to read a quote and w- what I want you all to be thinking about is, do you feel like you have a 
theme that runs through all your sermons. In, in essence, wh- what do you want people to huh. walk away with? Is there something that you have seen as you preach? Like, oh, man, I, I kind of, that's kind of my message I go yeah. back to. Um, the quote is A.W. Tozer. To be effective, the preacher's message must be alive. It must alarm, arouse, challenge. It must be God's present voice to a particular people. And I'm, I'm just wondering, what is your, do you alarm, you arouse, do you challenge? What, what is, do you feel like you have a, a message? It's funny you say that. Go ahead. No, no go ahead. I was going to say, because I, I say all the time, and I really believe this, I don't think anybody's going to remember any one sermon that mm-hmm. I give, but I hope that if I retire at 30 years from her, of Horizon or whatever, that they will remember themes, mm-hmm. that these are the things Ryan was about and he right. stood for and he challenged consistently and and so I think about that a lot, like, you know, um, because I really believe that those are the things people will remember about me. And I'd say I tend to lean on a couple of things, like live on purpose, mm-hmm. like try to be intentional about your life. Mm-hmm. Don't just kind of access probably what I'm going to preach on in our one hit wonder, kind of mm-hmm. like what are your last words type thing. And the other is that community really matters, like mm-hmm. lean into other people and do this thing together because like we're not meant to do it alone. But right. those two things, I, I'd say like several things are on my list of that. Right. But those two things r- bubble to the top every time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. As an Enneagram 8, <laughs> I tend to challenge. Yeah. Uh, but I also lo- like to inspire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, what, one of the reasons is, and, and, and I actually take a new person on the speaking team through this. There is a tendency, it's very easy to, to fall into a sermon that basically communicates the message, uh, do more, be better. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest thing in the world to slip into. Do more, be better. Mm-hmm. Do more, be better. And then people end up sitting hearing sermons their entire life where all they were told is do more and be better. And it becomes this like, no wonder people leave the church if that's what, and that's not the gospel. I think that's my, my big pet peeve, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, The gospel is not do more and be better. Um, And so I think the gospel can be framed in so many ways, but it's not that. So like, however you paint the beauty of the gospel through your giftedness and your like, do it, but Mm -hmm. don't, have you the conclusion of your sermon be do more and be right. better so for me i'm always aware that when i get to the end of my sermon creation process i ask the question is this just a do more be better mm-hmm. sermon mm-hmm. and if it is like delete 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 yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like I c- it cannot be that there has to be hope right there has to be in- inspiration there has to be our response to something jesus already did mm-hmm that's good. Not us, wor- you know, working to be better. Right. Um, that that that's yeah. the, that's it for me. Yeah. How about you guys? I'm. Uh, uh, I was in Boston last week, or uh, in Worcester, uh, yeah. Massachusetts. <laughs> I think that's how they yep, say it. Worcester, yep. And um, there was a, a homeless person on the street, and uh, I got to talking to him, and and I asked him the question, "What is it you want?" And he said, I just want to move. I want something different. Mm. And I think that 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 everyone, I think I think it's the fear of becoming stagnant, routine, where predictable. I think we all want to we have this innate need to move, to progress, Mm -hmm. to advance. 
and I, I think the, what God has laid on my heart is how do we help people remove the blocks that are keeping them from moving forward? Mm-hmm. Because I think it's our natural tendency to want to do that. I think it's what God instilled in us as, as his children is the desire to move into action. And so I guess the theme that tends to run through my preparation, my sermon, is, is that a movement? How can, we, how can we take one step, just one baby step beyond what we think today is all we have? How do we do that? That's good. I think in my, most of the time when I'm speaking, I leave with more questions than I (laughs) could have given answers to. Mm -hmm. Like I recognize that the majority of what I say from the stage are rhetorical questions Mm -hmm. um, because that's how it comes to me. I feel like God questioned me a lot. Like Mm -hmm. Kara, Mm -hmm. are you doing whatever? Are you Mm -hmm. believing this? Are you Mm -hmm. remembering this about me are you there's just so many questions and so then those automatically make up the majority of right what i'm speaking on Mm. so i don't think i'm very good at giving answers but i am really good at posing questions (laughs) because (laughs) that's how yes you are that's that's just how i get challenged i think there isn't necessarily a theme to what um the majority of my sermons are because obviously the series are whatever they are, right? right? Like we don't get to pick and choose. But I, I do think it's interesting, and maybe you guys did this on purpose, maybe you didn't, but even even just what I naturally gravitate towards, I feel like I tend to always circle back to the idea of brokenness mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that and not not because I am so broken and my you know, I have had such a hard past and all of those things. I think it's more a story of what God can do with brokenness and that mm-hmm. I am no longer broken. Yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes that fits perfectly with the sermons I'm asked to give. And sometimes it's not necessarily an obvious Mm -hmm. direction that the sermons go in. And yet somehow it almost always emerges Mm -hmm. that it's really about this idea of what God can do with Mm -hmm. brokenness. Mm. Um, so I guess that's just what my life story has led me to speak on. But, um, it is interesting that that's almost always the case. Mm. Beth, how about you? Um, I think I was, I was thinking, cause I knew I was going to ask this. I thought about it. Um, I want people to walk out of there knowing God loves them. Mm. He is for them and he wants to be near them and in mm. relationship with them. And I, I feel like every time I get a topic, somehow it'll come back to, yeah. he is for you. He is with you. He wants you in his presence with him. I think that is what I want people to walk out with. You know, it's nice. I love how everybody's is slightly different. Yeah, it's a well-rounded, which is yeah, which is the beauty of all these puzzle yeah. pieces. Tyler Bello is also one of the speakers. Mm. He couldn't be with us today. Um, just briefly, out to wrap this up, what is um, what do you guys feel is on the horizon for the speaking team for preaching? What do you foresee? Because I feel like it has evolved and changed over time do you see it mm-hmm. continuing that uh, evolution in the new things yeah i think the one thing is um you guys have have become such experienced speakers now that um it's sort of like the next step for you guys is being a part of the sermon creation process the sermon series creation process so I think that's an evolution that's going to happen mm-hmm. where we're going to see the speaking team more and more involved in creating the whole series and not just creating the sermon. Um, 
and honestly, there's too many of you. <laughs> and I think that's such a beautiful thing. We also have way too many worship leaders, which these are two very unusual problems mm-hmm. to have for church, the church of our size, to have this much talent in such a power-packed church. It's like crazy. And I think what it speaks to is potentially um, either another service or another kind of service, um, potentially another church down the road. Um, And I also think it speaks to what this podcast is, which is basically trying to answer the question of how do we give more people more outlets to express like their giftedness. And so Mm -hmm. this, even just this podcast itself was a, was a form of, okay, we can't have more people preaching. Mm -hmm. You know, there's only so many Sundays in a year, but maybe there's other ways. Maybe there's seminars and maybe there's podcasts and maybe there's other outlets to give people who have that same skill set a place to use that gift. Yeah, I think think people need, uh, everyone needs to have a voice. Mm -hmm. What that voice is and how, you know, the environment of the voice is is secondary to just making sure we all have a voice Mm. somewhere, so... Yeah. Yeah, I just echo that. I think multiplication is at some level is where I see the speaking team going in the sense that there is just and I'm so blessed by this team. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you've heard me say it. I'm not trying to overblow it. I I just I'm not as energized to speak, you know, 25 times a year. That's not something that like I feel like I have in me to keep a natural, healthy rhythm in my own life. I, I think I'm in my sweet spot more in like the 15 to 18 kind of range to have people to count on and to lean on and to like, I just love Sundays where I'm coming to church and one of you speaking. That's, mm-hmm. that's really exciting for me. And I really look forward to it. I'm like a, just a different level, you know, cause it's, it's this beautiful part of our church to have this kind of like well-rounded team that mm-hmm. shares in this together. And so I, I'm excited for both you to have more opportunity and for those people that are out there that haven't had their opportunity yet or someone who hasn't come to our church yet, who will eventually be on that speaking team. I would love to see it continue to grow in diversity i would love to have Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. you know just more widen the circle of perspectives that are kind of communicating from the stage on a sunday morning i would be happy to step down (laughs) off the team if there was somebody that wanted to step up Mm -hmm. yeah it's a wonderful experience it's Mm -hmm. a wonderful experience thank you so much all of you for being here and talking to us and i know that um Our listeners are going to get some new insight into what it's like to preach and speak. And I hope that you appreciate these people even more for all that they do for the church and say. And thank you for listening, all of the listeners. I know you have lots of things you could do with your time. So we appreciate you listening. Um, Thank you all for being here. If you'd like more information about Horizon Church, check out our website at horizontowson.com. We are a community where you will be loved and have opportunities to be loved. Thank you so much for joining us on the horizon.